You're listening to Are You Happy Business Podcast on Captivate. Hello, Are You Happy Podcast. I'm here with Aaron Alfini, the founder of Aaron Alfini Enterprises. I was working and helping people and businesses with tech adoption for nearly three decades now. He's the author of Harness the Juice, which is Amazon bestseller, by the way. And it's about the tech tsunami or the exponential amount of increase in the amount of innovation in the world at the best of time. And he's worked with some pretty high profile companies and people such as Walgreens, Western Union, The Motley Fool, Discovery Communications, and many more. Really excited to have you on the call here today. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your origin story, how you got here to the point you are now helping people as an individual with tech adoption? Like what, what, where were you working before? Yeah, just a little bit of background. Sure, Brian. Nice to be here. Yeah. So believe it or not, I actually started working at the end of high school in a computer store that built custom PCs. So one day I was building a PC and I went to the shop and I bought my parts and the owner's like, hey, it really seems like you know what you're doing. Would you like a job? And so I, I got my parts and I went home and I'm like, you know what? This is actually pretty cool. You know, I'll call him back and see if he was serious. So I called back and said, hey, you know, were you serious about offering me a job? And he's like, absolutely. So I actually got the job and started building PCs. So I guess anybody can start from really innocent and small beginnings because I would have never imagined that I'd be working with, you know, CEOs and executives like at the Motley Fool and Getty Images, working on multi-million dollar, you know, cloud migration projects and other technology adoption projects. I grew up through, you know, moving mainframes to uh, server workstation technology, then onto virtualization, then the cloud. And now I'm branching off and expanding into all sorts of different technologies and focusing on the, the mentality, the people and the process that companies need to properly adopt technology with the, the rate of innovation, you know, ever increasing. It makes it more difficult because the timelines get shorter and shorter for businesses to remain competitive. What is the current situation with companies and trying to adopt AI and also like balancing adopting AI, but also like that customer having a quality customer experience and a user-friendly thing where people don't feel like it's actually AI and it feels more personable. What is the current like landscape of technology, I suppose? Well, when it comes to AI, we're really, we're in the beginning of some and we're down the road on others. So when it talks, you talk about like NLP, you know, and, and speech synthesis, like your Alexas and series and, and Google assistants, you know, that AI has been around for some time and it's very mature and people are not afraid of it or anything. But when you look at some of the newer AIs like ChatGPT and, and, and Bard from Google, you know, people are a bit more nervous about it when it comes to company adoption. There's been talk about bias, you know, so they definitely don't want bias in anything that they're, they're doing inadvertently. There's a bunch of legal things that haven't been discussed yet because it's fairly new territory. Like who owns the, the IP when AI generates something? Like if you generate some NFTs off of AI and then make millions of dollars, you know, well, can they come after you and say, well, we generated that, like we want a portion of that. Or, you know, is it going to go down the road in the future where 
those companies say, yeah, like if you make money off of this generating music or, you know, art and you make a lot of money off it, like we want a cut of that. It's, there's just a lot of uncharted territories that makes people extremely, you know, nervous to adopt. But you don't want to get into that. You do want to adopt. You do want to start experimenting because if you don't, your business is going to get left behind, right? Because everything else is moving so much faster these days. And we saw that, you know, during COVID, the restaurants that couldn't adopt the online ordering, DoorDash and all of that, they vaporized in months. And the companies that could adopt the technology they not only survived, but they thrived. And some of them are actually doing better now because they still have all those take, takeout orders that they didn't have before. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. It'll take probably two, three years for it to kind of get sorted a bit. Uh, but when you look at that timeline compared to the timelines of yesteryear for other technologies, it's, uh, it's very, very short. Interesting. What is, do you, do you feel like with your experience in like tech adoption in the past few decades, this is like the biggest, would this be like the biggest, like shot, the most shocking, like tech advancement of, of like chat GBT and these other forms of AI that have been coming out in the past few months? And like, what, what do you, how do you feel about the response to this as compared to the responses to other forms of like new tech in the past? Do you feel like people are, businesses are more um, receptive to this, the new like chat GBT and stuff, or is there some businesses that, that are more like reluctant to adopt because of whatever reasons? Honestly, I think it's the same as the last 30 years. I mean, it didn't matter if you're moving from a, a green screen and a mainframe, like people are nervous, like, oh man, I don't know how to use this new tooling. I don't know, you know, what's going to, is it going to break? You know, my, my green screen is really reliable. And they get nervous, right? And then it was virtualization. Like, oh, how, can, how can more than one server run on the same hardware? Like, I, I don't understand it, right? And they get all nervous. They're like, well, what about cross-contamination? Like, can I get from the memory from one machine to another? Like, can I hack? You know, like what's all these unknowns were out there. Uh, same thing with cloud. And now it's, again, it's the same thing with, you know, with AI. There's people that are all gung-ho for it and, and want to adapt it quickly and implement it in their business. And then there's the ones that are really nervous about it and won't. I mean, it's the technology adoption curve. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's a bell curve. And on the beginning of it, you have your early adopters. And then you, it goes up into the mass majority, the top of that bell. And then it goes down into the late adopters and the laggards on, on the tail of it. And that curve is the same for every piece of technology. The difference is, is that the, the overall curve is getting to be a shorter and shorter length of time. So it's almost getting to the point where it's going to be like a heartbeat versus this big bell curve, because there's more new technologies coming out. Like you can't sit around and wait to adopt technology anymore because there's going to be a new one that comes out, you know, later that you need to adopt as well. And now you're going to be behind behind the curve. And that was the whole premise of my book, Harness the Juice, is this exponential increase in the rate of innovation where humans went from, you know, spending 2 million years to put a handle on a hammer to in the last two years, the, the, you know, like the iPhone had 15 billion transistors in it. And the latest Mac M2 Ultra chip 
has 134 billion. And that's two years of innovation. So it's, it's just getting exponentially faster and companies need to do more to keep up, to remain competitive. You mentioned earlier about how you help companies with their internal team and making sure that they're built to adopt these new technologies. What exactly? Because obviously, if there's companies out there that are listening right now and saying, oh, I do, I do want to stay up to date with new technologies, but can you explain how exactly is the best way? Like, what should someone's team be built like so that they are, they're aware of all these new technologies and they can adopt it in the fastest manner? Or is yeah, it just I mean, like, it really comes, I mean, it comes down to mindset more than anything, right? Because the number one things that are going to slow down your adoption are people that are resistant to change. There's a couple things that, you know, basically when people do their job, they get very comfortable with it because a lot of the job gets downloaded into the basal ganglia inside the brain where it becomes autonomous. Like when you drive home in your car and you get home and you're like, I, I have no idea how I even got here, right? So a lot of their job gets downloaded. It comes off the prefrontal cortex. So when you ask them to change and adopt some new technology, you're essentially asking them to light up part of their brain that's been kind of sleepy in their job. And, and so that's, that's a thing that people don't like because it gets uncomfortable because it's not, it's not normal to them. And then you have, you know, there's certain people, I call it the what if conundrum. For some reason, whenever you're sitting down talking about adopting some technology, the what ifs start coming out. Yeah. And the reason I call it the conundrum is because for some reason, the what ifs are always negative. So you'll have people like, well, what if the software breaks or, you know, what happens if our customers don't like it and, you know, all these things. And I just find it very odd that nobody's like, well, what if we make a shit ton of money? You know, it's like, you know, what if our customers love this? You know, it's yeah. always this negative, negative aspect. They're, and uh, it, yeah, and the other piece too is that facts are transient these days, right? A fact is not a fact for very long. What's the fastest hard or biggest hard drive? Like, what's the what's the fastest computer? Like, that will probably change tomorrow. It's 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 a fact for a very short period of time, and people need to understand that the world around them is changing so quickly and they need to, what I do, what I call it, prove themselves wrong. Like challenge your notions and assertions because they may not be true anymore. And so that, that gives you the ability to grow, you know, with technology as well. I like what you're saying in terms of like the businesses that adopt these technologies are, are going to be lagging behind like the restaurants that they adopt the tech for like delivery and it's all it's you're right it's all about like having a culture of like wanting to adopt to the next new thing because of the way that our brains work and how autonomous it is with our current work it's about having that culture of being able to adopt new things and want to try new things is it this fear that the fear that these owners have in their businesses of like what could happen or what if has there been any situation in history where there's something actually has gone terribly wrong with a new tech adoption or not really? Because I, I, I'm not, I don't keep up to date. I don't know about the history of it is, I feel like there's probably a 1% top, like 1% of chances where new tech is like, where a bunch of businesses have adopted it and then it something blew up or something. 
it maybe didn't work or a lot of people lost a certain data because of, they were on the cloud or Facebook. Yeah, I mean, there's always been mistakes and, and issues have come up and, you know, things haven't been probably secured so they got hacked. Like, the, you know, that happens. The, the funny thing is, is you'll be sitting down and you'll be talking through like what could happen. And the things that do happen almost are never the things that you like talked about or planned about. It's always something unexpected that wasn't, you know, thought of. So it's kind of ironic that you could spend all this time, you know, trying to cover all your bases and then it'll end up being something you hadn't even thought of. So all that planning and everything, I mean, might've prevented something else from happening, but you can't stop every possible bad thing from, from happening. And you just have to you just have to learn to roll with it within the organization and compensate for when things go wrong because they will. And like using the cloud now, a lot of things are out of your control, right? If Google or Azure AWS is having an issue, there's not much you can do about it. You just have to wait until, you know, that issue is resolved. You can try to architect around it, but there's only so much of that you can do as well until you drive your your costs through the roof, trying to compensate for every possible permutation of failure. Interesting. Is there a piece of, like, obviously there's a lot of businesses out there that haven't been adopting new technologies and they're like still been able to thrive. Is there something that like, could, is there like a, a resources that business, businesses could use that maybe like the vet, a lot of, like a majority of businesses haven't been utilizing, haven't been leveraging right now, like that can, you know, could benefit a lot of people. Is there any like, is there any, is there any like things that you can implement a business that a lot of businesses don't have that could like- Yeah, there's, play? there's quite a bit. Like when you look at, you know, right now they say in the US, there's a lot of boomers, but that generation that are now retiring that own, own businesses and they're looking to, you know, either sell or, or end up, you know, shutting it down if they can't sell. And when you look at a lot of these businesses, there's a lot of potential for that type, particular type of business where they may not even accept credit cards or have an online presence or any social media or any of the things, you know, available. So if you're in that kind of business right now, you know, you could look at adopting those and, and boost your business and make it more attractive to a buyer. Or if you're out buying businesses, I'd particularly look at ones that are successful that aren't doing those things because you can make it 10x more profitable by implementing those things and giving a better customer experience and everything, you know, on top of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Because that's like the something that you can just activate and it will increase your profits exponentially. Sort of how the exponential amount of increase of innovation in the world, like you talk about in your book, like the same, it's like a, the speed is like dumbfounding. But would you mind talking a little bit more about your book and like some of the topics that you talked about in your book that you may have not mentioned today yet? Like maybe a chapters of it that we haven't really talked about yet. Well, at the end of the book, I have, you know, so everything in the book is around surfing, right? So I, cause I called it the tech tsunami and, mm. you know, teaching you how to, to, to surf and ride the tsunami to success rather than, you know, wiping out 
and being obliterated by this, this onslaught of innovation. You know, one of the, the last chapter is actually one that people really should probably be paying attention to. It's, it's beware of the reef. So, we, you know, in that chapter, I'm talking about all the potential things that um, can derail innovation, you know, things like silver bullet technology, like marketing will come out and it's like, oh, this is the, this is going to solve all, all your problems. And then they go and they implement it. And it was just, it was all marketing fluff. Like there's no meat behind, behind the technology. You know, that's just one of the things I've seen. Another thing I've seen is uh, what I call a magazine manager. Now, magazines obviously aren't, you know, what they used to be. You know, maybe now you call it a, a TikTok manager. Like, oh, I saw this on TikTok. We need to implement it. Okay. Like, well, no, that's, that's not really how you should find <laughs> the tech that you're no. implementing. Because that like article in that newspaper, in that magazine or, or that, that TikTok you saw, you know, there's, it's probably, you know, marketing material behind it to, to drive sales. It might not actually be as fruitful as you'd think. Oh, how should we find the right tech to adopt? Because there's obviously a lot of information out there. Do you have a, a resource that people can use or you just think that they should just vet? And look and see if other businesses are using it and how it's working. Yeah, I mean, that's the tough one is that it's really hard to tell like what's going to be the next biggest thing because you'll get a lot of hype around certain uh, aspects. Like, uh, you know, blockchain is one of them. Like there's been tons of hype around blockchain, but you know, not a lot has really come out of it besides, you know, cryptocurrencies that are, you know, shaky at best, you know, so, you know, where's that technology really going? And the same with like NFTs, you know, it, it blew up. Everybody's talking about these NFTs and it's the next big thing in art and all of this stuff. And it's going to, you know, we're going to do all this stuff with NFTs. And then, you know, I'm looking at the sidelines saying, you know, this feels a lot like Beanie Babies in the nineties, you know, fake scarcity, you know, the, you know, the board apes and all that, they can just make more of them. Like there is, it's unlimited resource, even though it, it's quasi limited because they don't make so many in each batch. But at the end of the day, it becomes a marketing ploy of who can pump up their NFT more than somebody else. And so those are some technologies that they show promise, but there's just so much hype around it and nothing really has come to fruition. I found the technologies that do the best are the ones that first are like, people are like, that's stupid. That's never going to work. Like the mm -hmm. cloud, like when the, when Amazon first started doing, you know, EC2 in the cloud was like 2008. Everyone's like, that's never going to work. I mean, who's going to buy from Amazon computer, you know, capacity like that. It's, it's going to fail. Like that's going to fall on its face. And here we are. It's massive. The same thing with virtualization. People are like, yeah, that's never going to take off you know, memory is too expensive and that's a blocker, right? Well, memory prices came down and virtualization exploded. And so it's, I don't know, it's, it's a tough one to answer. <laughs> AI, I think definitely will. I mean, we've already seen that. I think that AR will be huge in the new Apple Vision Pro and AR computing. I think that augmented reality will be massive. I'm not a firm believer in the metaverse or VR because that technology has been touted as the next big thing since like 1995 in disclosure with Michael Douglas and Demi Moore, right? Because they had VR in that 
book and movie and they're like, oh, it's the next big thing. And here we are 30 years later and it's, you know, still some, a couple games and stuff. I mean, it's there, but it's, it's definitely not taking the world by storm. But you look at AR and how it exploded on Pokemon Go, <laughs> you know, it was massive. And when you look at, you know, working on like forklifts and having AR help you or working on electronics and having AR do overlays and help you doctors, like there's so many possibles to help augment and make your, your life and work easier that I think will far outpace the metaverse and VR. Yeah. I never really looked into AR. I feel like, like what, what do you have any, like, can you dive a little deeper on like how AR would help someone on a forklift? Like how exactly does that work? Like, yeah. So say we're, you're working on, you know, a forklift and you've got some AR goggles on and you're looking at the engine and then it will just like label the parts for you. Wow. Right. So you know what those are, or you're looking at a circuit board and it will, you know, label or light up, you know, what's, what you're looking at and give you more information about it. It could go into diagnostics. You're working in a factory, you know, you look at the motor and then it's telling you the temperature, the, the amount of vibration and sound and everything coming off the motor. Like, you know, so you're like, oh, nope, something's going on with this one. Something, you know, it's not operating optimally. Um, you know, doctors highlighting different, you know, arteries, organs, stuff like that. And then there's a company out there that's doing it for pilots, which is pretty awesome because as a pilot, you know, I have to visualize the airspace is in my brain because yeah. I can't look out the window and see the airspace for O'Hare Airport. I have to visualize it by looking at my chart, realizing, you know, how high this particular level is and then, you know, staying under it so that I don't, you know, bra bust Bravo and end up, you know, in trouble with the FAA. Mm -hmm. And so this company is gone and they've made it so when you're wearing these goggles, you can actually visually see airspace and you can see like MOA, the military operation areas, you, you know, which is huge. Like it would make the sky significantly safer because it's taking this out of trying to visualize it in your brain and actually like showing it to your eyes and making it very easy to, to see that and obstacles like TV antennas and whatnot. So it's, it's got a lot of very exciting applications that I think will be huge. And then to a point where, you know, I see it almost being like, there's a movie called An Anon out there and it's Clive Owen. And I can't, I can't remember the other the people in the movie, but it's based on that. Everybody's looking through AR and so they can see everybody's name and, you know, all this, this stuff, they go to a store, they can see, you know, how much watch costs and everything. And I think that those are very real capabilities, I think, that will be coming out. Those are more practical. And I'm, I'm happy to hear that you think that the metaverse and that stuff is not actually going to happen because I was honestly afraid of it. I think I fell into a little fear mongering, but I feel like the metaverse conversations have subsided a little bit and I haven't really heard as much about it. I feel like it was a lot of the hype like a year ago, but I'm glad that has gone away because I also was a little bit afraid. I, I didn't want like, I don't want everybody to, I don't want like my kids to end up living in a world where everybody was in virtual reality and they were going to work in VR. And I, I, I like the in-person aspect of, it, of, of life, but I could see how AR could be used as a tool because of how practical it is. Like, like you said, like how much a watch costs. I, I really like that. What do you, 
I honestly, like, I didn't really know much about Starlight until I looked up in the sky a few weeks ago and I just saw like a lake of, and I thought I was like seeing like aliens. Can you explain <laughs> a little more about like Starlink? Because I just feel like I, I don't know enough about it. And I, I love for, for you to give me a quick description of how that works. Sure. Do you think the skies are just going to continue to be utilized like that? And all those, and like years from now, we'll just have things flying in the sky, like data or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's th- there's already thousands of satellites up there. There's apps you can get like on your iPhone that will actually like you hold it up to the sky and it'll show you all of the the satellites out there. I mean, there's a crazy number of satellites. I think Starlink wants to put, I think like 32,000 or some like crazy number, maybe 12. I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but all around the globe of these satellites that can you know, give you internet access basically anywhere on the planet. So you could think of it kind of like, you know, like GPS will get you a location anywhere on the planet. Well, Starlink's going to get you internet anywhere on the planet. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's really a game changer, I believe, because it makes broadband internet for rural areas really possible. Because I mean, there's a lot of places in the United States that you just can't get, you know, decent internet. And with the you know, rate of innovation, and everything happening in the world, it actually will start leaving people behind. You know, if they live in a rural area and don't have that that access to the internet, I mean, we don't we don't wonder what things are anymore. Like I remember as a kid, we'd be sitting at the dinner table and we'd be talking about something. We're like, I wonder how tall the my wish Washington Monument is, and then we think about it for a second, and then we move on because now. You're just like, oh, I wonder how tall the Washington Monument is. Well, you just, you just Google it. Like, you know, we have all of human knowledge accessible via our, our phones now. And it's, it's a very different world. So if you are disconnected and you don't have that access, it's going to put you at a disadvantage in the world, for sure. It also makes people more mobile. Like, I, I have a, a Starlink just so I can go work wherever I want. Like, you know, if I want to go camping backwoods, Wisconsin, where there's no internet, but I still have, you know, work to do. Well, I just bring my Starlink with me, set it up, and then I can do my work and then go make my s'mores. So that's crazy. How much, how much does it go for to get a Starlink? I think I paid 500 for the unit. I have the slower speed one. There's one for, I think, 2,500 that is like 500 megabits or something, much faster unit. Uh, and but that's not really that. necessary. And then uh, there's some rules and stipulations. Like they have them for boats and stuff and they charge more for that. And I can't use my base station on the ocean because they you know, charge for, for boats and yachts differently. But I pay $120 a month or $150 a month with roaming on. So roaming means I can just take it wherever, wherever I want, you know, to get internet access. So, and you oh. can, I've switched back and forth between them. So like if I'm not going anywhere, I, I can bring it down to the, the lower one. And then Starlink actually made it, I think, where you can just pause service and just turn it off. So you can uh, use it more when you need it, like, oh, I'm going on a trip or something like that. But I also use it as a backup internet because, I mean, my livelihood is, is the internet. Yeah. You know, so I use it as a, as a backup internet in case my, my cable goes down because ultimately my cable is higher performance than Starlink. 
if what is Starlink innovate? Like what do they do differently from how we previously got internet? Like obviously I, I never saw satellites that were moving that fast that I can actually view. Like what what exactly changed and what did they do? That's different. Yeah. So the big difference is, is that they are putting up, you know, thousands of satellites where, you know, the other vendors like HughesNet was one a while ago. They put up like one satellite. So you have to position your dish. You have to have a line of sight to that satellite in order to, you know, pick up, pick up the internet. And then the round trip time was really long. You know, so your delays, your milliseconds were were really high. And then it was just not as good a technology, right? So, I mean, Starlink's just putting out the latest and greatest tech, you know, low latency, and they're everywhere. You know, they're going to cover the planet. So it becomes a little bit easier too, is you just need a view of the sky in order to get access versus view of a particular satellite you know, in the Southern hemisphere, like the older units. And you don't even need a dish anymore. It just connects. I mean, it's a dish, but it's like a square dish. That's like two feet by one foot. And it auto positions everything. You just set it up and it's pretty cool. And that thing just starts moving and, you know, it, it acquires its own satellites. So, I mean, that's, it's some really cool, really cool tech. And they have it where it's mobile too. So you could get it on vehicles. I think that, yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see your auto manufacturers or, you know, or Tesla themselves, you know, including it as part of the car, like a hotspot in, in the car. I, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know why you wouldn't, right? Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, people that are working from home nowadays or, or like people that are working virtual, maybe they're in the car sometimes, they want to take a call or whatever. If they have that Starlink, that'll... That'll change everything because there, there has been that personal hotspot tech, like those little devices, but they just haven't worked as well from my understanding. Like the, like if you want, well, they're limited to cell phone technology. So it's still based off of how close you are to a tower and you know, all of that where this removes the tower, you know, blankets the entire earth. So if I want to listen to streaming in the middle of somewhere in the desert in Nevada, I, I still can with Starlink, right? But they're not going to have a satellite tower out there, or a, a cell tower out there, right? Cell towers are just going to, years from now, like when I have kids, they're going to be kind of retro. It's going to be like, what, what is that doing? Why do we need that? And it's like, no, we don't, don't we need those anymore. They're just there. Well, I mean, you're still going to need them because satellite can't penetrate like buildings, right? So you can't use, the Starlink dish can't be inside. It has to have a view of the sky. And it was the same thing with like satellite phones. They only work outside. So there is that limitation. So you probably still will have, you know, cell towers, you know, or cellular service, but I think that it's going to change or like those cell towers might start using like satellite technology for communication. So they could put them further out in the middle of nowhere you know, throw up solar panels and then have it communicate via satellite instead of having to run, you know, wires all the way out there and fiber optics in order to, to facilitate it. Well, that's all really interesting stuff. If we had this technology like years ago, they may, may have transformed the way we designed our like cell towers and like how we got all of this like service in different areas. But anyways, 
It's been really nice talking to you and learning from you today about tech. Do you have anything else to add that maybe I haven't covered about tech before I give you the opportunity to share with our audience, like how they can reach you or your business? Well, there's always more to talk about tech. I mean, it's almost impossible to actually not stop talking about it because it's changing so fast these days. But yeah, it's really exciting. And it's not just software or hardware. You know, it's also, there's been a lot of changes in additive manufacturing, you know, to the point where Bugatti is actually 3D printing their brake calipers now. And they're lighter, stronger, and more heat resistant than the ones that they, they made before. So there's, there's all this technology across the board. It's not just, you know, software, phones. It's a, it's a really exciting time for us because we're, we're right at this point where it's just going to, to explode. Yeah. It's exploding as we speak. We have all these like new technologies coming out. Like I literally, I'm telling you, I looked up into the sky and saw this. I thought it was aliens and then I learned about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. But uh, thank you so much for being on. Would you, would you mind telling the audience where they can reach you or your business? Sure. They can find my company page at AaronLfini.com or just Google Aaron Alfini and you'll find me. I'm the only one in the world. So I'm easy to find. Wow. That's awesome. That's incredible. Okay. Thank you so much for being again. Thank you for all the value provided today. I know our audience is going to love this. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one.